another U.S. journalist whose parents live in Pinecrest, Pinecrest, went to UCF, and that's where he got his degree at. Um, another one gets beheaded yesterday, and uh, it just becomes real what the Islamic State is doing, um, how they are creating this Islamic State, this ISIS group, and how they're growing, how Baghdad and uh, how Iraq and Libya, how their borders are destroyed, and how they're becoming one state, one people, the nation of Islam. So it's interesting, and then they behead this guy, and they uh, challenge the United States of America, and challenge anyone who is to them an infidel. And um, it's a very dangerous time that we're living in. It's a time where the enemies of Christ are rising up, and they have no fear. Um, they do not care. They're willing to die for what they believe in. It's, it's just very interesting. Don't fall asleep in these days. We live in very interesting days, days that the reason why we wanted to do the end, because we're coming close to an end of our series. Um, the reason why we wanted to do this is to uh, make it an aware and, and, and just throw out a, a warning and an alert to you guys who are here every Wednesday um, that we truly believe that these days are sooner than later. And the more you start to see what's happening, the more you see how God is putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, and um, we're starting to see um, how we're, uh, we're right around the corner from the Lord's return. And uh, something that we've been sharing a lot here is prepare yourself, be ready. Amen? Last Sunday we had an amazing message that blessed my life, and it was titled, Keep Your Clothes On. Don't get naked in the sense of keep your garments of righteousness on. Don't find yourself naked when Christ comes back. Say, oops, I didn't know you were coming. Be prepared. So we've discussed some interesting things in Revelation. We've discussed some interesting things in the prophets of the Old Testament, from prophecies to um, Antichrist to false beast to um, seven years tribulation and everything that happens within a tribulational period. And then last week we jumped into what is called the millennial kingdom. Uh, scripture talks about this 1,000 year period of peace here on earth. A very special moment that the earth will go through. It's, it's funny because in, thank God that we go through that 1,000-year peace because of everything else that we go through before the 1,000-year peace. It just seems fitting. Thank the Lord that he's gracious like that. Um, so we discussed, so if you missed that, you're going to have to just go back because there's no way that I'll have time to, to go back and explain to you everything that happens in the millennial kingdom. We talked a little bit about Satan, what happens to him there. We talked about where the false prophet and the antichrist are. We talked about how those days will be in the millennial kingdom according to what scripture says we haven't gotten there i have not been there so it's hard to describe it the only thing that we have to describe it is according to what the bible teaches us and we did that last week but as we continue to finish the ending of the millennial kingdom we see that uh, jesus is reigning again you might be saying right now well isn't he reigning right now absolutely he sits at the right hand of the father but you see how he's reigning again here, and he's reigning before his people, and he's reigning before Jerusalem again within that millennial kingdom. And what's funny uh, about this is I just always go back to remember James and John. James and John always wanted to be a special group of individuals when Jesus reigned in his kingdom. Remember that? Lord, let us sit at your right hand and at your left. And the Lord's like, you don't even know what you're asking. It's not for me to give, but it's for my Father. But then when we get to the millennial kingdom, we see that there are people reigning with Jesus in this kingdom. And that's kind of what I did not touch on last week that I want to touch on today. And then hopefully we start to dabble into what is called the great white throne judgment. Now, in the millennial kingdom, we know that there will be some that will also reign, uh, reign with Christ. Uh, while Israel and all these other nations that are survived, while they're enjoying their peace and what you want to call a spiritual revival, here on earth, there is also this other group in heaven who reign with Jesus for a thousand years. And that's what I want to read to you. It's Revelation chapter 20. And right now I want to read verses 4, 5, and 6. 
Revelation chapter 20, uh, verses 4, 5, and uh, 6. So if you want to turn there because you like to have your Bible open, I'll give you a quick uh, few seconds. If not, I'm sure they'll be up there on the screen. All right, here's John. Look what John says. He says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. So he saw thrones, people seated on them, and they were given authority to judge. Number two, he saw souls on the thrones also who were beheaded because of the testimony for Jesus and his word. They had not worshipped the beast or his image, and they had not received the mark of their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. For a thousand years. I want you to look at verse 6 for a second. It says, Blessed and holy are those who have part in this first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So, when we look at this passage and what John is trying to show us here, he's describing two different groups. And when we read Revelation 20, 4, 5, and 6, these two different groups, here they are. Number one, we see that there are those who are seated in some sort of thrones. They're on these thrones. And then number two, the second group is those who had been martyred for their faith in Jesus and for the Word of God, for standing in the Word. Are those the martyrs of the tribulation that we talked about? Okay. So we see here are some of these martyrs, and then here are some that are seated on these thrones. The ones that are martyred or beheaded, he describes them as their hands um, and of their foreheads. They did not take the mark of the beast, and we see that. And then you have these other individuals who sit on these thrones, the first group. A lot of Bible scholars believe that this first group are the ones who are seated on the throne are actually the overcoming bride of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to explain to you why. What do I mean by the overcoming bride? You should be familiar with that phrase already because we've been talking a lot about the bride every Wednesday. These are the saints who were ready to meet Jesus Christ in the... Good. In the rapture. In the rapture. In one of his messages to the seven churches, I want you to see what Jesus says to show you why a lot of people believe that these individuals who are sitting on thrones along with Jesus are his bride that was raptured up. And this is why a lot of people believe this. Look what Jesus says in Revelation 2, verse 26 and 27. He says this, To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the what? You see that, right? And he will rule with he will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. Okay? So notice what Jesus is saying here. He is basically describing about there's this group who he calls these overcomers. And these overcomers have an authority, and their authority is to rule over the the nations. The nations. When you look at the millennial kingdom and John sees in Revelation 20, he sees Jesus reigning. But in the process of seeing Jesus reigning, he says, I saw thrones. And there were seated those who had been given authority to judge. So a lot of people believe that this is the bride of Christ who has been given an authority because of her beloved to sit in a seat of judgment to rule over nations, or what the word that we're using today, to reign over in the millennial kingdom. Okay? In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, we see something very interesting as well. Okay? Let's read it first. It says this, and they sang a new song, and they sang this, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. We, we've gone over the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, so I'm not going to go into that again. Because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God. Who are they singing about? 
Who was slain, and with his blood, he purchased man for God. Who is that? The blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. With the blood, he bought us. That's our redemption, right? He reconciled us. One scripture says our propitiation. Okay? He paid the price and brought man back to the Father. And that's what these individuals are singing. Look what they say. With your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Verse 10, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And look what it says next. And they will what? Reign on the earth. So, so who are these people who are reigning? Who are these individuals who sit on thrones? Daniel even says he saw thrones while he even saw his throne. When Daniel prophesies of the throne of God, he sees the Lord sitting on his throne, but then he sees thrones as well. So John is not the only one who sees Jesus in his throne. Daniel in the Old Testament sees Jesus in his throne with other thrones as well, somewhere around Jesus. And these thrones are established there to reign and you could almost see like the old movies, right? When the king is approached by the common folk and you have to go into the throne room of the king and he's sitting high up above everyone because he's also there to judge and judges in the courtroom always sit above everyone else. And as he sits on high somewhere around there, you'll see the seat of the, the queen in all those old movies, the queen's seat. So you start to see how there's Jesus our groom, our king on his throne, but yet his beloved, his bride as well, is reigning with him. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. In Matthew 19, 28, and I'm giving you verses and they're popping up and all that. Matthew 19, 28. I'm going to read that one as well. And Jesus is talking to his apostles here. Let's read what he says. He says this. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, that's a hint, when I renew everything, when I make everything new again. Obviously, he's not talking about right now. Are things becoming new? Actually, things are what? Perishing, right? So, when I renew everything, the Son of Man sits in his glorious throne. But look what he tells the disciples, these apostles to be. You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, and you will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. So, so we see that there are thrones, and now Jesus is telling the 12 apostles, but you too will have 12 distinct thrones to judge the 12 um, tribes of Israel. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. So Jesus promises the apostles thrones, thrones to judge, thrones to reign, thrones to sit highly upon. And when you see that phrase, the renewal of all things, it could only lead us to think that what could he be talking about? Because the old Eden was destroyed and no one can find the Garden of Eden anymore. People could tell you more or less where it's by, by the Turkey area, by this area. But no one really knows where the Garden of Eden is at. You can't find it. I'm going to tell you why you can't find it. Because it doesn't, what, exist anymore. It's not there in its beauty and its peace. So when Jesus now creates this thing, he calls it renewal, when I do everything new again. And the only thing that we could think that he could be speaking about here is this millennial kingdom that he is promising his apostles to reign with him. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay? And then you look at the second group, which is a tribulational martyrs, and those who had, it says, come out of the great tribulation, it says. Well, why did they come out of the great tribulation? Because they refused to surrender to what? The Antichrist, good, the beast. Basically, this group of individuals paid the ultimate price, and the ultimate price to be paid is what? Either you get the mark of the beast, either you side with the mentality, the religion of the beast, 
or you pay with your what? With your blood. With your blood. And that's what these guys did. And that's what's happening today. That's, uh, that is what, uh, and it's, you don't have to be nothing ashamed to say this, that is what the Islamic State is doing. Either you side with us, and, you ru- and, and we rule over you, or punishment. Punishment by death. And that's what they're doing. Many Christians are turning towards them and saying, okay, okay, in those areas. And there are many who have been evacuated and who are being martyred. It's the same thing that we're talking about. It's ha- like we read Revelation like, oh my God, I can't believe that stuff is going to happen. Guys, it is happening exactly how the Bible says it. Either you turn to my belief or you get your head cut off. So we have to understand that these things are happening as we speak already. So he goes on and he says they've come out of the great tribulation. They've paid the ultimate price with their blood. But God in his faithfulness, he resurrects them so that they can now reign with Jesus for a thousand years. In verse 4, in Revelation 20, I said a phrase. I don't know if you caught it when I read it. I said they came to life, meaning they were once what? Yeah. They came to life. They were once dead. They were once dead. If, why would you use that phrase, okay, if, if they were not dead? So that needs really no interpretation that came to life. We know what that means. You don't have to look that up in the Greek and, and figure out what it's, I mean, it's, they came to life, guys. <laughs> they were dead, now they're alive. So this next verse eliminates any doubt or confusion. What that they came to life means is pretty much they experienced the resurrection. They, they experienced the resurrection. God literally raised these dead bodies up and this, into this millennial kingdom that he has established. And now these tribulational saints that were beheaded because of their faith in Jesus could now rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years with the other group, which is the bride of Christ. So you have the bride of Christ, and then you have the tribulational martyrs, these people that die because they did not take this side of this beast, of this antichrist, of this false religion. And because of that, God blesses them and gives them what? Rulership over the nations during a thousand-year millennial kingdom that he is establishing at some point. It's pretty interesting, right? Pretty interesting. Paul actually tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.12. Watch this. We'll we'll put it up. 2 Timothy 2.12 and watch this. If we endure, what? We will also reign with him. And if we disown him, he will also disown us. When you look at 2 Timothy 2.12, we see that Timoth, Paul tells Timothy that those who suffer. One translation actually says, it uses the word suffering in that verse, one translation says. Okay? If we endure suffering, we will also reign with him, one translation says. So those who endure, those who get through it, those who pass this time will also reign with him, he says. Will also reign with him. And I, and I love what it says. I'm going to go back to read it. He says this, Bless and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection because the second death has no power over them. Blessed are those who enter into this first resurrection because the second death has no power over them. Over who? Over those who were killed for their faith and over these people that also sit in their thrones which many believe are the bride of Christ. The second death has no what? What did I say? No power over them. That's a clear reference, guys, to eternal damnation. The second death. Do you guys know what the second death is? After the great white throne judgment and everyone that is wicked gets thrown into what is called the lake of what? Second death. A little under the weather. So... Forgive my sniffles, but that's the second death. The second death. When everyone gets thrown into a lake of fire. Now, what's interesting about the second death, it's different than the first death. Because it's a death that never ceases from dying. 
It's a constant place of death. You never find the end of your death in the lake of fire. It's the worst torture ever, but we're not going to talk about the lake of fire right now. So it's a clear reference that eternal damnation has no power over the saints that rule with Christ, whether they're tribulational or martyrs or the bride of Christ. Eternal damnation, the lake of fire has no power over the saints who rule and reign with Jesus. The Bible says what? They will be priests, they will serve, they will minister to God. Ain't that amazing? Ain't that amazing? We're going to serve and minister unto God. Where else can we be ministering and serving? Most likely within the millennial kingdom. Something, form of government will be established. We know that. We discussed it last week. We said that Jerusalem will be the center of the world again, and all nations will have to come to Jerusalem to worship. So something beautiful is going to happen here in the millennial kingdom. These thrones, these saints will also reign in that period upon earth and upon the people that are living. So there's something like we've never seen. There will be people that will be living here that we said will be living again to hundreds of years old, like Methuselah, remember? Living almost to a millennium, where lions will eat from the grass of the land because there's no more preys and predators. Everything is vegetarian. This child could stick his hand in a, hole, in a, in a scorpion's nest and in a python's hole. And nothing will strike, nothing will hurt them because it's a time of pure rest. Okay? During that time, while those are, people are here, they're also going to see parts of God's glory. They're going to see God, Jesus reigning. And they're going to see his people reigning with him. I mean, just, I don't even know how to explain it to you. Can't wait to get there. Can't wait for that day. Like, I really can't wait for that day. So we see that. And then the millennial, uh, um, millennial kingdom ends. We discussed it last week. I don't want to go too into it, but we know that what happens with Satan real quick. Satan, the millennial kingdom ends by Satan being what? Released from the what? From the bottomless pit. He goes back to the nations and they turn their back on Israel. And then we have that last ultimate war where God does away with them, and he grabs Satan. And what does he do with Satan, the dragon of old serpent? What does he do with him? <coughs> he throws him into the lake of fire, and who's waiting there? The Antichrist, the false prophet, and now Satan. It's a nice, hot party for all of them. And then comes the great white throne judgment. Satan, Antichrist, false prophet, you're going to have some visitors soon. And the great white throne judgment is, for some people, the scariest time of their life. It's basically what people call judgment day. Judgment day. And Revelation 20, John describes this awesome sight of the great white throne. If you want to turn there, you can. And in Revelation 20, it begins to describe the most awesome sight, which is the judge, Jesus Christ, over all the earth is seated on his glorious throne. This final judgment is taking place. The light of God Almighty's countenance says it melts the universe. So something happens with all of the universe after the great white throne. His glory just destroys everything that we know could even exist. His presence is so overwhelming that all of the laws of physics, Revelation 20 teaches us, are instantly annihilated. It's going to be amazing. Revelation 20 teaches us that earth and sky become undone. It actually says they run away before his presence. Like God is basically doing what? He's doing away with everything that is what we know, earth in itself, universe, planets, solar system. Everyone get that? So then we find ourselves in Revelation 20. Let's go to verse 11. In verse 11, look how John says it. Look how John sees it. I saw a great white throne, 
And him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is called the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire, what is it, church, is the second death. And if anyone's name was not found written in this book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So this is what John sees. And Jesus actually does a very good job teaching his followers that such a day was going to happen. Jesus clearly teaches that a day like this was coming when all dead would be raised All dead would be raised, not just the righteous, but even the wicked will all one day stand before him, face judgment, and then call it to to damnation. Um, As a matter of fact, I'm going to read it to you. It's found in, in John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, if you're taking notes. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Look what Jesus says. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be what? Condemned. So what you're seeing here is very important. You've ever heard someone say, I'm good, God will never send me to hell, right? You've heard that. We know scripture says that no man is what? Good. If there is sin in our lives, which all man has some sort of sin, we all fall short. We know that. But the man who is unrepentant of his sin and acknowledges Jesus Christ as Savior, the wicked, we have to understand this. They are thrown into condemnation. They've done evil, they've lived in evil, and they rise to condemnation. What does this teach us about God? It's very amazing. Guys, if you could just remember this. God is not a respecter of persons. Did you catch that? There is no resume. There is no gold. There is no palace. There is no billions or trillions of dollars that could wow God to make him respect you for who you are. God is above everything. Amen? When John sees the great white throne, how does he describe the people that are standing before God? You could scream it out. He says, standing before him were what? What does he say? You have to turn to Revelation chapter 20 for that. Verse 12. The great white throne, Jesus sits on it to judge the nations. And who does he say is standing before him? I saw dead. What else? I saw the small and I also saw the what? The great. What does that mean? Who did John see? <laughs> I have to say that. She just said he's, he's LeBron James and me. <laughs> so I'm guessing LeBron James is the small. You would be the great. Okay, good. That's what I thought. Okay. But exactly. He saw kings, queens, presidents, prince of this world, and all these famous celebrities and stars, all the who of who's, the billionaires, the ones who control nations with their monies. He saw the great And then he saw normal, common folk, everyday, regular neighborhood people, working nine to five, working two jobs, raising families, greasy hands, working hard. He sees them too standing before God. Each one standing before God. The Betsy's and the LeBron James. All of them standing before God. Great, small, 
it doesn't matter because what we just read with Jesus' words in John 5 and John's word in Revelation 20 is that God is not a respecter of person. Anyone who has ever lived and will be living during this time will have to stand before him and give an account of their lives. How amazing is this? How amazing. In the tribulation. Well, remember, we talked already about the martyrs. Right. Yes. This is everyone now. This is people that are... Oh, this is Actually, now I understand our question. The scripture says that those who are in hell, all of Hades spits out their dead. What does that mean? When you die, or, or when someone dies, people say what? When you die, you're going to have to face God. You know that's wrong, right? When we die, we don't... Face judgment. When we die, we go to either heaven or hell. And then what we learn right now in Revelation 20 is on judgment day, all of hell is released. And they have to come and what? Stand before God. So they will be taken out of hell for a moment. They will stand before God for their judgment finally once and for all. And from that judgment, they don't no longer get thrown into hell. Because hell is just for a moment. It's not eternal. Hell was never eternal. The Bible says that all of hell and those that are in it, when they're done facing him and they get judged, there's no chance, by the way. Have you noticed that? They don't repent that day. They don't make things right that day. They don't bring God coffee that day. Like that day is just, you have to stand before him because every man is appointed to die once and then come to judgment. So they stand before him, all of hell, and then what does the Bible say? Then they're thrown to the what? To the lake of fire. So, so we see everyone that lived throughout time, whether they're in heaven or hell, there are Christians as well, people that are in Christ already that will also stand before God. But we know that the righteous don't go back to heaven. The righteous go to now what? The eternal kingdom. The new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth. And the wicked get thrown into the lake of fire. But everyone on that day that has ever lived, that will be living, will enter and walk and stand before the great white throne judgment. But the bride is already up. Yes, that's the judgment seat of Christ. When I explained it, on the day that I had the, the chart, the timeline. Very good. They're not the bride. The, the bride, something happens with the bride in the judgment seat of Christ. In Scripture, we see that there is a judgment seat of Christ, and we see that God crabs his elect, and there is this judgment seat of Christ. And notice how it says judgment seat of Christ, where they receive a judgment as well, because they need to receive a judgment. But then they go to reign with Christ, and that's forever. And then this is now the ultimate one, which is the great white throne, where all men who has ever lived and will live, so the Hitlers and the our family members that passed, they will all, remember, our family will not stand necessarily if in, the, in the judgment seat of Christ. They might stand, some of them, before the great white throne, depending who they are and who they're not. So that's what it is. The great white throne is the one that everyone goes before them. Yeah. So presumably. Presumably. Millennial kingdom. Yeah. Well, if there's the rapture and all that, you're going to be caught up in the heavens with everyone else that's living. The dead in Christ rise first. Correct? Not a scripture? So if you're dead already in Christ, you'll be there and you'll be met up with everyone else that's on the earth that will be raptured with you. If you believe what that passage says. And then right then and there, those who are already dead, if you died already, if you are the bride, you are going to be caught up with those who are living who are part of the rapture. And Jesus, they all meet Jesus together in the air, the Bible says. That's not Jesus' second coming, though. That's what's called the rapture. See, that's what I'm saying. If you already went to heaven, then you don't sit at judgment day for you. On the great white throne, you mean? Okay, this is what's happening. A lot of people think that just because they're in a heaven or in a hell, they've already received some sort of judgment. Heaven and hell is already a, a judgment. Because those who are in hell know there's no way of coming out. Those who are in heaven, that's it. You're here forever. But that's not eternity yet. Heaven right now is not the eternal kingdom. Hell right now is not the eternal hell. But is it possible for me to go to heaven and then end up in the lake of fire? No. We're, we don't see that nowhere in Scripture. That's what I was 
No, we don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Okay. She said, is it possible for me to be in heaven, then get judged, and be thrown into the lake of fire? You don't see that anywhere in the Scripture. The Bible says that they are mine forever, that we are His forever. So if He has plans for you to go to hell already, you would have been in hell already. He's like, ah, I made a mistake. You kind of got in here by accident. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't make accidents. I mean, it would be a horrible trick to play. Hey, I messed up your name. <laughs> you know. How is it going to happen, though? How are you going to judge billions among billions among billions? Only God can do that because he's sovereign. He's everywhere at all times. Those are questions I will never be able to answer. God is sovereign. God can judge people. He could judge everyone at one time all separately. <laughs> I don't understand. Just like he could be here and in China all at the same time. Because he's a sovereign God. I don't know how that judgment's going to be. All I know is that it's going to be. Because scripture says there's a great white throne judgment. I can't say, you know what, maybe I messed up. Guys, there's not a great white throne judgment. No. Scripture says that there is a great white throne judgment. And there is a judgment seat of Christ. So the, the bride, we see that she gets a different kind of judgment than the rest of the world. His bride, which is the judgment seat of Christ. Okay. Want to talk more about it after? Okay. Good. All right, let's keep going real quick. Here we go. <clears throat> so he's not a respecter of, per, per, of persons. There's dead, there's great, there's small before him. Think about those who are there. You look at this great, small, it doesn't matter whether earthly wealth, fame, power, influence, they're actually of no value now before God. Uh, I was meeting with my buddy today, and I said, isn't it cool That when we drive our cars, what do we drive on? On asphalt. Yes or no? We drive on asphalt. And people litter on asphalt. People spit out of their cars on asphalt. People throw their gums on asphalt, right? You see those big black stains? People do other things on asphalt. We know that. That's just the ground. That's dirty. They burn rubber on the asphalt. Oil drips and gas drips on asphalt. That's the floor. It's not a place where you want your child to lay on and say, hey, I'm chilling on asphalt, right? That's what the floor is. Think about what God is. He says what? He says, I'm going to make streets, not of asphalt, streets of gold. You know, that's symbolism. I don't know how it's really going to be. It's going to be beyond gold. It's going to be beyond your imagination. But what is he really trying to say when he says streets of gold? He says, okay, you see your streets of asphalt and people spit on it, drive on it, oil on it, spill oil on it, and do all kinds of stuff on it, and that's a disgusting thing. So would it make sense to put something as valuable, as precious, as gold to drive on, to spit on, and throw gum on? It doesn't make any sense. So what does that teach us about God? That money... Gold, silver, diamonds, pearls, nothing is of value to him. It's, so, it's nothing to him that his very own streets that you spit on, that you spill on, that you walk on, that you dirty on, they're made out of gold. And that is saying no man could ever wow me because my streets in heaven are made of gold itself. Come on, man. Like, if I had a car in heaven, I'm like, please don't spill oil, please don't. Like, I'm on, I'm on gold. And God's like, this is my streets are made out of gold. Like, this is the God that we're trying to understand and figure out the eternity, the great white throne, the stuff that we're trying to understand. And, I mean, we understand this, but he's more. He's, he's, like, he's like, oh, man, you have no idea who I am when I stand before you. Like, you have no idea what I'm about to reveal to you. That's probably what I'm the most excited about. I can't wait. You heard me. I'm sorry that I, I repeat myself so much. But I can't wait for the day I see the six-winged angel. Like, I don't want to see one now because I'm in my fleshful form. I want to see me when I'm glorified. Like, I can't wait to see a six-winged angel. I can't wait to see the one with eyeballs in and outside of him and all around him. Like, for you guys, that's like, ew, I don't want to see that. It's going to be mind-blowing. You're not going to go, ew. You're going to be like, whoa. 
I can't wait to see the one that has a wheel over on their feet of fire, and within that wheel, there's another fiery wheel that's spinning. Like, I can't wait to see that stuff. I can't wait to see the angel with four different faces on his head. Like, I don't understand that kind of stuff. I just can't wait. It's, it's, I can't wait to see these massive wings that cover the glory of God. And when they flap their wings, their sounds of chariots, woof, because they make everything tremble. Just when an angel speaks, things tremble and turn into smoke. Imagine when God speaks, what happens in the throne room. Like, I can't wait to see that, but when I'm glorified, Lord. Because <laughs> I think I'll have a heart attack in my flesh if I see that right now, okay? When I'm glorified, God, I'll wait. I'll wait. But that's beautiful. But when these people are standing before this, not this God, but when they stand before this God, think about this, people. No doubt those that are live their life for their pleasure and for their sin, no doubt they prefer at that day to run, huh? To run away from God and hide from the face of him who fills all in all. You know his face fills all in all because it says that what? Everything fell. Everything ran from his face. There was no more universe, no more stars, no more anything. Everything just went. When his glory shone, everything went. And it was just God and everyone. Like I I don't even, like if you ask me how is that, I don't even know how to explain that to you. That's what Revelation says. And when they stand before this God right here, not the one that we see, because this is the God that we see. Oh, he's like this, he's like that, he's so this, he's so that. And, and God's like, I'm so not any of that. And when he reveals who he is, imagine all those kings, all those pharaohs that lived, all those presidents that lived, that had power. Imagine all the money in the world when they all stand before God. They're going to wish that if they did not come to him, that they could run from the face of him who fills all in awe, and they will not be able to run. They will be standing before the throne, and they will be awaiting for their verdict. And books are opened, and one book is recorded of everything that each person has ever done. And that book, the book of life, it contains every single name of everyone that is saved. There's so many verses that I want to give you. There's one in Luke 10, 20, in Philippians 4, 3. In Hebrews 12, 22 and 23, but I don't have time, but all these passages that back up what I'm saying to you. So the judgment of God is based now on two things. When everyone stands before him, the LeBron James and the us, when they all stand before him, watch this, two things are based, ready? When God judges them. Number one, your deeds. Our deeds, we will be judged for all that we've done and did not do. Our deeds. And the next thing that he will judge us for is, number two, whether our names are in the book of life. And there's only one way to have your name written in the book of life, and that is through the precious blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You won't make it unless it's Jesus who covers you on that day. Amen? That's it. How dreadful when God opens up his books that records all of our deeds, huh? Every word we've ever spoken, every thought, every imagination, every secret that no one even knows about. Because every single person in this room, if you dig deep down into their closet with me and all of you, you all and we all and I have and you have skeletons in your closet. Come on. Don't stay here, sit here and tell me that I'm lying. You have skeletons in your closet. Hidden secrets. Come on that no one else knows that you struggle with, that no one else knows that you've done, that no one else knows that you have, no one else knows. And all those things will be revealed before him. I'm going to read some scriptures real quick. Jude 14, 15 says, the Lord is coming. Jude 14 and 15. Jude doesn't have a chapter in it. It's a small book. So it's just verses 14 and 15. The Lord is coming to judge everyone. Who is he going to judge? And to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly acts that they have done in the ungodliest way and all of the harsh words that the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I've sat before people that have looked at me in the eyes and said, F Jesus. And I just looked at them and said, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. 
Oh, man. Oh, man. You will stand before God. And the Lord said, do you remember when you said F me? I'm here. Come on. Say it now. Because when they stand before him, it's not going to be this F Jesus. It's going to be say it now. That's going to be wowing. I've had that said to me in front of my face that I've shrunk. I was like, I can't believe this. People say things like this. Things that students tell me, things that people tell me when they come to church. Everyone, for every ungodly word. Matthew 12, 36 and 37 says, I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. Be careful what you say, please. Because everything that you say will be judged. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be what? Condemned. You will be condemned. Everyone say, wow. (laughs) So whenever someone says that to you, just remember these passages. God, they have no idea what's ahead of them. Romans 2.16, it says this will take place on the day when God will judge men's bones in their closets. When they judge men's secrets, that through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. So we see that God will judge man's secrets. There's nothing that you could hide before God. Remember Adam and Eve? Why are you hiding? And why are you dressed? And who told you you were naked? That's what's going to happen one day before men. Why did you try to hide that? And why did you try to dress up? And who told you? You're going to have to answer to all those things, Adam and Eve, all over again. All of Adam's and Eve's offsprings. And then Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. That's an awesome verse. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. Not even your darkest, deepest Secret that no one knows, just you. Guess what? God says, I see it, and I will bring it out if it's unrepented. Everything is uncovered, and everything is laid what? Bare. Bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Wow. So here's ultimately the most important question of the evening. Are we ready? Is my name written in the Lamb's book of life? I hope your name is written. Because can you imagine standing before God one day? And he says, your name's not written. Depart from me you worker of iniquity. What a harsh, harsh day that's going to be. And you will scream when the demons take you, or you will scream when the angels fling you into the lake of fire. No! Jesus, forgive me! And on that day of judgment, it'll be too late for his forgiveness. Or, better said, for your repentance. Anyone whose name is not found will be casted, what Scripture says, into the lake of fire. And that term, anyone, guess what? Anyone, 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 that means leaves no one, what? Behind. It literally means everyone. Leaves no one out. Princes and intellectuals and movie stars and sports idols and atheists. And you saw the new atheist challenge now? So stupid. Get a life. They did the water challenge. Now they're doing an atheist challenge to curse God, to defile God, and they're spreading it all through social media. Get a life because every word in your atheist challenge, you will have to stand before God. You losers, repent. Repent and know Jesus. Repent. They're trying to get all the atheists to bash Jesus. We're living in interesting times. Everyone, philosophers, young, old, rich, poor, humble, proud, anyone who never, never believed in Jesus will be doomed to everlasting fire and everlasting torment. 
after the millennial kingdom and when they face the great white throne judgment. Anyone. But rejoice and be glad because we, if you are a child of God, we say, see ya. And we go to the eternal kingdom to be with Jesus forever. And the Bible says, and ever. I'm going to spit on streets of gold. <laughs> I'm going to swim where there's milk and honey, rivers, water that never runs dry. I'm going to stand before the presence of God, before these beasts, before these angels, high-five Moses, slap Elijah. I, I just, I'm going to have a blast. And I'm going to see you guys, and we're going to blast. We're going to have a, such a ball, such a ball. So when we pass, when we pass, it's never, it's never goodbye. Have you noticed that? When we pass, it's, <laughs> you're lucky. You're getting there before me. But when we pass, it's, I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. Save a spot before the fr- in the front row. Oh, we'll see you there. That's so awesome. Like we, have a pro- like, we could actually live in peace here when all hell is breaking loose. Because, come quickly. Because I'm going to be with Jesus. And man, am I looking forward to that day. So you guys don't have to be stressed out. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to leave here all perplexed. You could actually leave here rejoicing. Because if you are a believer and Christ is in you, you have a place reserved for you. And he remember what I said Sunday? He is preparing a place for us. Man, I can't wait to see the place he's preparing. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. Right? People get ready. Jesus is coming to take from this world its own. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight, for what a reminder tonight is and was of your great coming, of your great judgment. And Lord, as your people, we await this time with you forever. And um, until then, we ask you to prepare us to help us and keep us watchful and ready for your coming Help our families who are not saved yet. We should worry and worry uh, intensely for them, for our friends, for everyone that we run into on a daily that they don't know you because we know what their end is and we are moved to compel them to come to Christ. Stir that in us to be that people, to win them for Jesus, Lord. I thank you for letting us open up this text I hope it brings growth and encouragement to us, not damnation and sorrow, because if we are in you, there is a hope, there is a promise, and we await for that day that we could be with you forever. It's not a scary day. It is a day of rejoicing for all those who believe. So we love you. We thank you. Let us have a safe night and a glorious day tomorrow glorifying your name. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen.